Thank you so much for joining us for the Northgate Review Podcast. Today, I'm not joined by PLD, but we have a special guest. I am joined by Carrie Latticer, who has been at our women's conferences and also been at our women's tea before, and she gave the message at our Bethel campus. So come on and join us as we have some fun today. That means it's Larry. <laughs> I definitely don't want to do that. It's just Larry. I'm like you're okay. Yeah, I can lead into it though. <laughs> I know Larry probably never does, so it's good. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, you. If you listen to the podcast, you know that he's not loud at all. So he's not anywhere near that microphone. Um, <laughs> it's perfect. Well, today we are so excited. Pastor Larry, as much of a hard time as he gives me for going on vacation, PLD, he's actually getting his own vacation this weekend. Um, yeah, it's very well-deserved. He really needs one. Yeah, that guy oh, works goodness. pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. a bit. So <laughs> we're glad that he got to take the weekend off. And uh, so the special treat today on the podcast is we have Carrie Latticer joining us, who spoke at the San Francisco campus, and she's been at our women's conference, women's teas. You know Northgate. Oh yeah, it's like a second home for me now. And you know, you know Larry. Did you? How did you meet Larry? Uh, I met Larry. I spoke at an executive pastors conference mm. in Las Vegas about three years ago. Yeah. And then he was in a coaching cohort that I led two years in a row. And talk about like that one kid in the class that needs all the extra attention. Definitely that was Larry. PLD. PLD. <laughs> no, Love it was that awesome. you're using that for yeah. him too. That's awesome. Yeah. He loves being called PLD. It's probably his favorite thing. Um, so I'm glad that you, you picked up the mantle and you called him that as well. Oh yeah. So <laughs> you spoke, um, in the San Francisco campus, which is such an awesome place. Jesse was leading worship there. We were both talking about the topic of putting religion in its place, mm-hmm. but before we even get into the topic, like, what did you think of the campus? That was your first time there. What'd you think of the city? First the area? time there. Oh my gosh. I was blown away. Honestly, the campus, the community there, just so warm and welcoming that incredible space that they have. I could just see kind of God's fingerprints all over it. There's so much yeah. potential there. Super yeah. cool place. It was awesome. It's, it's so old school too, which is what I love about it. Cause I grew up in North Carolina, grew up at a church with pews and a, oh, yeah. and an odd color carpet but i love it and peach it. walls right yeah, it's, it's like so complete mm-hmm. i think my church had like a maroon burgundy carpet and pews oh it was so awesome yeah it's great just a side note before we keep going if you hear noise and ambient noise forgot to mention that up front <laughs> we're sitting in like an executive suite of a of a hotel in san francisco so the hilton airport hey right? you gotta or go wherever you can go to get the wisdom so yeah it's good <laughs> is so this the, the oddest place you ever recorded a podcast it's the <laughs> only other place <laughs> <laughs> okay well on location Live, yeah. right? This is exciting. I want to start doing this more often where I go out into the world and uh, awkwardly look at businessmen as they're working. And oh, we... it's good. It's good. <laughs> I travel quite a bit for work and I like to take pictures of the oddest office spaces that I've used. So This is this can't be odd. This is pretty nice. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, this is a cool place. So uh, anyway, we talked about um, putting religion in its place. Mm-hmm. And we talked earlier in the week when you were kind of preparing your message um, and where you were going to go with that. Cause this is the reason we have the podcast. It's because we're talking about one topic, but you could really spin this in a multiple multitudes of different ways. I remember on Thursday, Larry would, and I were talking about my message and he said, I know it's too late to tell you this, but I was hoping you were going to choose this passage for your message, but you uh, ended up choosing something else. Mm-hmm. It's like, you jerk, man. I could have <laughs> gone with whatever you wanted to. Yeah. And, uh, but that just goes to show. So what did you end up going over in San Francisco? Well, you know, first I had a whole different message prepared. I had been laboring over for weeks mm-hmm. and then thought, you know, I'm going to go oh, online right. and see <laughs> what they've been teaching about so I can really tie this in and notice you guys taught yep. on the Good Samaritan two weeks ago. Yep. So Thanks I had lot, that Larry. whole, yeah. <laughs> What's another scripture I was really wanting to use? So, uh, you should have done it anyway. Yeah. No they, one would have remembered I could have shown up whoever it. taught it a couple weeks ago. Here's the whole new lens for that You'll story never be back just here learned again. about. Yes. Uh, no, it was great. It was a really great challenge. And even, you know, as I was praying about putting religion in its place, where mercy is the first place and religion mm. is sort of second place behind mm-hmm. that. I think the Good Samaritan with all the characters and context in that story gives us such a great lens for what that looks like to follow Jesus in that way and elevate mercy. But I went a different route Um, and spent some time talking about, you know, religion defined as sort of some of the old Testament religious rituals. Mm. And just personally, as a follower of Christ, I struggled with what do we do with these things in the old Testament? What do we do with the rituals and sort of the religious part of following God? So we talked a little bit about that and mm. talked about how Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's great. 
Yeah, the, I, I definitely agree with all of that. The reading through the, the Old Testament law and reading through these rituals and traditions and then just the, the systems in the temple and all this stuff. And, mm-hmm. and you think, man, I don't really understand that. And I don't know where that fits into 2019. And for mm-hmm. us, 2019 in California, which is much different than 2019 <laughs> in other places in America, too. Absolutely. Um, and, and a lot of that gets thrown out because you don't have a place to put it in your mental shelves and mm-hmm. you think that's outdated um you know mm-hmm. kind of the church lingo is that's old covenant and i'm under new covenant totally so let's just get rid of it all it doesn't really make sense for us today um so yeah what a phenomenal thing to talk about so what passage did you end up going with well we started out uh looking at the triumphal entry especially mm-hmm. because it was palm you sunday had, had to. totally and really it teed up so well this idea that you know, leading up to Christ's um, work on the cross. You know, we talked about the religious people celebrating his entry to Jerusalem. Mm. What a powerful moment that was. And then really looked at where he went next, which according to the Gospel of Matthew, it unpacks the story of him going into the temple Mm. and being distressed at what he saw there. And so that's where we really dove into the religion, Pete, that part because the religious people were exploiting religion in the temple by taxing those Mm. that had come to, you know, purchase the animals to make sacrifices. And so they were making religion a burden for Mm. those people who had come for the sacrifices, which were meant for redemption. They were meant to make us right with God and they were there burdening and exploiting that religious practice. I definitely took some of your content after we talked on, was it Tuesday? before Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, we should do that every week yeah, before I teach. My goodness, it would make mine so much better, too. And we talked about, because um, going from the triumphal entry, I also kind of started with that as well, mm-hmm. and then working it into uh, the, the way the law was there. And I loved your line about um, not only was the law given to this generation of Israel uh, to teach them how to flourish and become a freed nation. They didn't really know what that was, what that is. They, mm-hmm. they were in slavery their whole time. Mm-hmm. But your line about uh, it was also given to them to show the rest of the world just mm-hmm. how good God is. Like mm-hmm. if you like to be able to look in at this nation who is, is loving each other and, and they're flourishing and they're doing good things. And you know, they're, 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 they're peaceful because they have a day off. Like, they're the only nation with a Sabbath anyway. So, uh, And then people would say, like, man, I want to know who that God is. And, and I started it with that, and that's also how I wrapped it up as well, talking about how the, the beauty of religion is when used correctly, it should show the grace of God more than we ever could on our own. And mm-hmm. just like the law for Israel was supposed to do that, these religious systems, defining religion as a system, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's there to show, us, show others the grace of God more than we ever could. Like a group of people who pray every day, like they set aside time to talk to somebody who's not in the room because they believe they have a real relationship mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. another, with a deity. Totally. Stuff like that. You know, it's like, wow, why is it, why is their life different? But I stole that mostly from you. So <laughs> I felt like I should give you credit where it's due. <laughs> now here on the podcast though, hopefully yeah. not there. In the Only room. 20 yeah. people will know uh, that it's great. you were the brains behind it's that. It's great. You take all the credit. <laughs> really none of it's me anyway. So I can't take the credit for that. So then you moved into Jesus in the temple <laughs> and he's, and he's uh, dealing with the, the religious leaders who were abusing religion. They were using mm-hmm. it to lord over people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, that's when he flips the tables, correct? That's, totally. Yeah. Precisely. So He had a little bit to say about religion. <laughs> just a small thing to say, I think. So how did you interpret that? You know, some people want to talk about he was angry and you get to see his anger there. Or um, it was this righteous anger, which is different than mm-hmm. real anger, apparently. Mm-hmm. So... Um, how did you how did you interpret that? Yeah, until I started studying it, you know, just like you were saying, I've always heard that scripture sort of referenced as like Jesus showing his humanity mm. or Jesus showing strong emotion, which certainly is true. But what he was upset about was the exploitation of the law that people were, you know, exploiting those um, religious rituals at the time. So then um, I talked about how the law was given to us to set us free. How, mm-hmm. you know, when we broke covenant with God, when he first made Adam and Eve, and they first made the decision to sway away from his way, he gave them the law to yeah. give them the ability to regain access to him. So the law was meant to be a gift, not a burden. And those mm. religious people were making the law or making religion a burden. Yeah. So I actually talked about how, you know, the Israelites did that over and over again, where they sort of decided, we're just going to live however we want to live, and then we can just go make sacrifices to fulfill the law. It Mm. was never like, we're going to live the way God called us to, 
yeah. because he called us to live as a people set apart that could reflect who he is to a world where, yeah. you know, they worship suns and moons and people had all, multiple deities. So I pulled out some Old Testament scripture from the prophet of Isaiah where Oof. God says, man, you do not get it. I don't want that. I've got yeah. enough sacrifices. I've got enough of that. I want your hearts. The mm. law was originally given to you so that I can have your yeah, heart. Absolutely. Gosh, that concept sounds a lot like Paul saying, don't go on sinning just so grace can abound. Like, totally, <laughs> same kind of thing. Totally. It's like, why, do, why don't you understand? I don't care about the forgiveness of this right here. I want you to follow me. Like a family thing. This is the way it's supposed to be. The love that yeah. I have for you. Yeah. Yeah. But that was beautiful. a game changer for me and my faith to realize, mm. okay, this law was never meant to be a burden. You know, I, I talked about what we talked about on Tuesday. The part of the, you know, it's in Leviticus and Deuteronomy in the law that you couldn't wear clothes of yep. two fabrics, mm -hmm. right? There's no denim and polyester. <laughs> yes. As I was saying yesterday, I was like, I think my dress is all one fabric. So they're <laughs> going to take me very seriously right now. Because they'll be able to tell, I'm sure. <laughs> totally, totally. But the whole point of that was it was to remind the people mm. that they served one God. It was yeah. to help remind them in everything that they did that they were called to be set apart. So when I first realized that as a daughter you know, as a, a follower of Christ, that that law was never meant to be a burden. It yeah. was meant to be a gift. And then to read the, the scripture in Isaiah was pretty intense. Mm. Uh, chapter one verses, I don't know, 11, t 11 through 17. Or, yeah. But really God is saying, don't you see? All I want is you. I don't want the sacrifices. I don't want the ritual. I, those are there for the occasional time mm. you screw up, not for the, you know, do whatever you yeah. want, precisely like Paul was saying, and then just let grace abound. Yeah, that that concept, I think about it in a real world day and age, you know, like I said, I'm expecting my first child, but I don't have him yet. And <laughs> so trying to understand this father-son relationship, I'm only going off of my own experience with my father. And I remember, probably some people have this experience, I remember the cool dad of the friends, mm -hmm. you know, and he he was just such an awesome guy. It wasn't my dad. It was another friend's dad. My mm -hmm. dad's amazing too, but when it's not your dad who makes the rules and also punishes you and I get the little bit of time that I get with this other dad, he was funny and he was so cool and I loved spending time with this other dad and this other guy, mm -hmm. but he was never really a father to me, but I don't know what that relationship was. It was just fun to be over this guy's house with his son who was my age. We were friends as well, but... And I think there was one time that my dad was punishing me and I was getting really mad at him that I used kind of that insult to him of like, I'd rather just be over there with this guy because he's, you know, yeah. he's never a jerk to me like you are. Yeah. I didn't say it like that, but basically I might as well have. Mm -hmm. And what, like I, I look, I know I've done a lot of bad stuff to my father in my life just as a kid father relationship. Parents are always probably hurt by their kids, but I think out of all the things I've done, that's gotta be the mm. most painful mm -hmm. to have your son say, you're not a good enough father to me. I'd rather have somebody mm -hmm. else. And mm -hmm. my father is an amazing, and there's so many things I could look at that he's done for me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, you, I want to raise my son the same way in a lot of ways. Yeah. But yeah. to tell somebody that, and, and that's the relationship. Like I read a book recently uh, by a guy in, in, in Washington who it's the title of the book. I can't remember if I mentioned it last week on the podcast is what God wants. What does God want? That's, mm -hmm. It was so simple. Mm -hmm. And it just walked you through the, the narrative of the scriptures, ba basically breaking it down as this. God wanted a family. That's it. That's hmm. the basic thing you need to know from Adam and Eve to then the kids basically saying, I don't like you, dad. You're not good enough for me to then Abraham and or actually before that you have Noah and then he's like I'm gonna start over again still I don't want you dad and then hmm. Abraham and you have this nation and then after Egypt I don't want you dad like can we go back to Egypt and it just keeps happening keeps happening and man when you look at it from that perspective and not just a, a God perspective but a mm -hmm. father perspective it mm -hmm. just makes it so much realer I totally guess. totally yeah and this may be too vulnerable for your podcast. I'm not sure. You'll tell me later. But, you know, I grew whoa, up whoa, whoa. in a home. Okay. I know. I know. I'm going to go there. Let's get vulnerable. I grew up in a home where my mom was super hands up. Like, I had that mom, hmm. that super fun, do whatever you want. My friends loved coming over there because there were no rules. There were no boundaries. And then as an adult and even now as a mom, my, myself, my mom and I have had to do a lot of repair work hmm. because... I didn't feel loved, and in some ways I felt abandoned because she didn't give me those expectations. Yeah. She didn't give me those boundaries. So even now seeing God as a loving father who cares enough about us to say, here's the line, hmm. what a gift, you know? And so yeah. I grew up sort of in the, the flip of that situation, and 
I mean, my mom and I are fully reconciled now and have a really healthy relationship, but that took a ton of work because mm. um, that the messages of, I'm not going to give you boundaries, I'm not going to clarify expectations, I'm not going to enforce rules, you just do whatever you want, leaves you to wonder, am I loved? Yeah, you absolutely. Know, because of that. So just interesting to hear you talk about yeah. how that much was our too vulnerable, by the way. <laughs> for so. the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm Nothing else serious the whole rest <laughs> of the time. Okay. No, just kidding, just kidding. Those are the best ones when we end up getting vulnerable. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really good. So uh, putting religion in this place, where do you find, when you like close out your message, where did you find the place for religion today? Mm-hmm. Do you think in the, in the church 2019, capital C church across America, because mm-hmm. it's obviously not just a specific non-denominational mm-hmm. California thing. We mm-hmm. need to take this seriously across America, yeah. you know, or really across the world. But where do you find the place for religion? Yeah, uh, I, I I closed out really talking about what Jesus shows us, which is religion, the rules, the law never trump loving people. Mm. So at the end of the day, I mean, I even said, you know, the religious people followed Jesus around up until they followed him to the cross mm-hmm. and yelled crucify him. Yeah. You know, that was the, the path that they led trying to test him, trying to challenge him, trying to prove him wrong. And what he taught us again and again and again is that I love and care for people and I'm going to continue to extend mercy. So even if that means flipping a law on its head, I don't know if you ended up talking about the Sabbath, but the idea that God (laughs) gave us the law, he didn't create people to follow some cosmic rules. He gave us, you know, created the law to serve us. So Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Totally, fully. So we ended with that, you know, anytime you're trying to figure out what is the right thing, how much do we want right answers, Mm. right? What is the right thing? What is black and white? You know, give me the list. Let me check all the boxes. God God reminds us, no, through Jesus, I have fulfilled that part Mm. of it. Now the call, the invitation is to extend mercy. Yeah. So we really talked about, man, do we ever put obstacles, put Mm -hmm. religious obstacles in the way of people coming and experiencing the way of Jesus? And so that's kind of where we ended was religion has a place right behind mercy at the first place. And and just what a freeing, (laughs) we, we, I feel like as, as followers of Jesus, it is religion because we spend so much more time arguing and figuring out loopholes or even when we don't need to, of just uh-huh. like, wait, do I have to obey these laws? Mm-hmm. And then even coming to the conclusion of, no, no, you, there's grace. Like, you're you're right in yeah. God's eyes. He yeah. loves you. I know, but what do I do with this guilt? So, like, am I still supposed to, like, obey these laws when, mm-hmm. how freeing is it? Like, no. Yeah. But you sh- probably should because they're better for you anyway. Yeah. But like, like, maybe you get to. Maybe yeah. you don't have to. Maybe you get exactly, to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to. You get to. And, when yeah, when you look at that, I... We did talk about the Sabbath in Benicia, and I've been on this kick on the Sabbath, and Larry thinks it's so funny, but studying that and really figuring out what that looks like and trying to do one, me and my wife do one, and figuring out how to do that properly and, and, and healthily. Do you guys, like, use electricity and turn your lights on when you <laughs> no, do Sabbath? No, we go full Amish okay. on the Sabbath. Okay, listen, hey, full Jewish, full Amish, Absolutely. either one. Yeah. yeah, I guess Amish, went, that's where I went uh, there. Like, yeah, they don't it's have good, electricity. it's good. We make our butter on the Sabbath, and... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, and so that's one of those things where I was, one of the messages, one of my favorite messages on the Sabbath, there's a guy named AJ Swoboda in, in, uh, in Oregon and he was talking about it and he used to be a pastor at this church and he said he was teaching on the Sabbath at his church and he realized, cause the Sabbath is in the 10 commandments. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about all the other 10 commandments are common sense. They're good. We're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And in the middle, like you can't even just take it off cause it's at the end. Like it's in the middle. <laughs> Smack dab yeah, in there. There's this command to honor the Sabbath, keep it holy, remember it. Um, and he said when he was talking with his board uh, at his church, he said he, he came to the conclusion if he was to break any of the 10 commandment rules, he would probably get fired as a pastor. You mm-hmm. know, if he stopped believing in God, maybe this isn't the best job for you. If he killed somebody, obviously, if he slept with somebody like that's something extreme. Mm-hmm. If he broke the Sabbath command, he would probably get a raise. Like if mm-hmm. you're going to work all seven days, you're yeah. going to get a lot accomplished. Yeah. He's like, why is that the one that we like try to argue with? And that's not the one that matters. Mm-hmm. And, but from that point of view where it's rules that we have to keep because we're scared of, like, that's not a healthy place for any of the law. That's mm-hmm. not what it was given for. Yeah. But looking at all this stuff in the law, like you said, like, why would we not do the Sabbath? Yeah. That was kind of my point at the end of my message of 
Like religion is for me to sit here and tell you, you have to do these practices and systems to mm-hmm. experience God. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you will experience God in a deeper way and it's mm-hmm. going to continue to grow. But what I'm telling you is why would you not do this? Yeah. Instead of asking, yeah. how do I go deeper? Here's your answer. Yeah. And it's just a starting point. Like totally. all of these are, you're going to totally. go deeper. And I told the, one of my ex- uh, illustrations in it was, um, I'm working really hard right now personally to develop a deeper prayer life. It's not something I've ever had as a, as a habit or a mm-hmm. system. It's been when I need it and that's it, mm-hmm. you know, or when I feel really happy or something good happens, but to actually start my day off and say, all right, I'm going to spend time in prayer. It's not easy every day. It's mm-hmm. very difficult some days. Uh, I have a very overactive mind and to just sit there for an extended period of time and talk to one person is a <laughs> very you can't hard see. thing. Exactly. It's so difficult. <laughs> yeah. And trying that out. And there's some days where it's, all right, that that was five minutes. And, and honestly, I can't get whatever song is in my head out of my head. Mm-hmm. So this is impossible. And I'm going to try again later. Some days it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes into my commute on the way home. Like it's, it goes longer than that. Mm-hmm. And a part of that is also I'm trying to lean into the practice, the the dirty religion word. I'm trying to lean into what did Jesus say about prayer? What do you see in prayer in the Bible? So don't just come to God and say, I need this, I need this, I need this. Or even we can validate that as say, hey, here are some people in my life that need you. They're mm-hmm. sick or mm-hmm. they're broken. Can you intervene here? And it's really hard to stop myself because I come right at the beginning. God, I'm praying for my buddy, you know, this guy. I'm praying for this guy, this guy, heal him. And saying, wait, wait, not yet, not yet. I don't want to get there yet. First, I want to stop and just say, God, you're good. Thank you. Like, mm-hmm. let me just thank you. Yeah. And I find that when I do it that way, it's less and less that I'm having the days that are, man, I can't concentrate. Yeah. Because it's like the stopping. Like, there's a reason Jesus did <laughs> prayer like that in the New Testament. It's, like, it's almost like he knew what he was teaching us to do. Yeah. So, sure. yeah, I don't know. That's one, that's one thing I'm doing. What is, are there any that you're trying to lean into right now? Um, we, this season as a church, uh, and some of our leaders in the church really are leaning into the discipline of pr- uh, fasting. Mm. So um, I know that's not really something we're supposed to talk about publicly a lot. But Hold on. We're let gonna me hit go pause there. and then we're going to talk about it. Yeah, so we agreed, you know, as part of the Lent season, we just rolled out some new values at our church. We're really focused on taking some new ground Mm. in our community. And so we just said, we know what God wants to do here is bigger than what any of us could accomplish. So could we all actually like on our knees pray that God would move? And Mm. so people opted in for that. And some people are fasting social media or, Mm. um, you know, certain foods. Um, I've been fasting on Fridays every week and Every single time at the end of that kind of 24 hours, I will go to my husband and be like, man, God spoke to me in a new way Hmm. in this season. Like, look, you know, it's been dreams. It's been words coming from other people. Like, it's honestly blown me away. And so I'm not fasting. I'm petitioning for anything particular. I'm fasting to say, you know, I want to spend extra time in prayer. I want to spend some extra time being reminded of my humanness and my needs. And seeing the ways that you fill those. Um, it's and a it's new form of surrender. You know, totally, I want to give you more. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And um, he changes me through it and brings me to a new level of awareness. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's been new. I mean, you know, I've maybe fasted a handful of times mm-hmm. in other seasons of my life. And so to have that as a discipline that I prepare for leading up yeah. to it, you know, that I'm um, stepping back and reflecting on what I got to teach me through that. It's been yeah. pretty, pretty amazing. One of the cool things that I've seen about different practices, like I said, me and my wife working for a Sabbath and, and me working on um, a prayer thing. And like you just said, as you're uh, doing your fasting, these practices, when you do them, because they're kind of they w- outdated seems like a bad word to say, but hmm. they kind of are through the ugliness of where religion has come. These mm-hmm. things are like we don't want them anymore. Mm-hmm. So redoing them is kind of it's, it's a little bit more difficult to get in that habit. Totally. But what you see is you have to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Like all of these things we have to prepare to do. Like if I'm going to start my day off with prayer, that means you have to wake up a little bit earlier to have time before work. Yeah. So you're going to give up something mm-hmm. to create that time. For totally. your fast, you're preparing before you start that in my Sabbath. You know, me and my wife, we have to prepare for that because mm-hmm. it's not just a day off. It's a specific day of mm-hmm. rest. It's going to be relaxing, but it's not a day to get your chores done or a day to do that. So right. you have to prepare for that. And what another great way to say, to show God you love him, to show his importance, his value mm-hmm. to you, like this relationship. Mm-hmm. If I was going to go on a date with my wife and I'm like, well, are we going out Friday? Okay, it's Friday at five. What do you want to do? 
You want to do something? Or if I say, hey, it's Friday, I have all the evening I plans. I made plans. I yeah. got reservations. That yeah. means way more than just, yeah. well, I mean, I guess we can go to Chili's. Do you, got, <laughs> do you <laughs> think there's going to be a line? In? Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. We also landed. It seems like we talked about a good amount of, of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we had similar points. I also had the point about um, it it keeps people from coming to Christ. Like that is, that Mm -hmm. was how I ended it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also, before that, my first point was that it creates classes, religion when used incorrectly. Oh, Oh, that's another point I should say. Credit going to uh, Carrie right here. The beauty, (laughs) the baggage (laughs) and the beauty also came from Carrie as well. (laughs) So you 20 people listening know, uh, very little of this message came from me, except for the awkward opener that I had. So, if you how, did anybody room. come talk to you afterwards about how wrong you were for marrying your wife? For they, they loved it for it was hilarious, okay, yeah. which was weird. I told so many people on Saturday, actually Friday and Saturday, I was talking to my wife. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't know any other way to start this message, and I think it's going to be terrible, mm-hmm. and people are going to hate me. And then the first service, everyone was laughing so hard, and I was like, Oh wow, that okay, that's okay. One of the <laughs> one of the women on staff, Alyssa, she's our children's director. She had a really good friend in the room. I think it was maybe our 1130 service. And she was sitting there during that intro. And she was telling Alyssa this after saying, I almost got up and walked out on him. I was getting so <laughs> mad so at him. so offended at yeah. what he was saying. And then I realized like, oh, that's, oh, that's not great. John. I know John like that. He's yeah. not that big that's of a jerk. That's so good. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so love those points. That one, that one's all mine. I'm not going to pin that on you. That okay. intro. Yeah, yeah. That I won't clearly... take any credit for that. But everything else you said that was good. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it was, yeah. It was either you or it was Larry, because like I said, one of my first point was uh, religion can create classes. And last week, Larry, or I guess it was two weeks ago at this point, uh, talked about how Jesus came to elevate the individual. So hmm. basically, I just got to sum up Larry's message again. It's great. Streamline that. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then I think it was a sec- my second point was that it creates arguments and it creates debates, flexing uh, theological intellect. I got to quote one of his messages that <laughs> if you... Uh, <laughs> TLD. <laughs> coming in clutch. Yeah. If your th- theology uh, gets in the way of your mercy, then it's time to change your theology, which is a lot of what you talked about as well, mm-hmm. it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I would have had that one. Maybe I could have <sighs> gotten tw- like tweeted that's saying that and taken the credit for it. So good. I said, uh, if your theology gets in the way of your mercy, it's time to change your theology. That was mm. PLD a few weeks ago. You mm-hmm. can tweet that right now. Okay. okay. You don't have to tweet anything I said in my message. You can tweet a Larry quote from three weeks ago <laughs> that's during so my rad. Message. Yes, right now, right now. <laughs> Shout out to you, PLD. Man, you're on vacation right now, and you're probably going to listen to this who knows when, and you're going to feel so loved. Mm-hmm. Changing beautiful. lives from vacation, man, it doesn't get any better than that. Man, he does so much even on his vacation. So good. I'm not doing anything on my vacation. Man, I'm just sitting by water and, and relaxing. Mm-hmm. Getting a tan, though, that is important. Uh, yes, don't, yes. Don't rule that out. But yeah, religion, it's, it's such an ugly thing. I, as I was making uh, some some observations from where I came from on the East coast. One of my jokes was, you know, there's a church on every corner. Some churches or some corners are holy and have more than one church and a Chick-fil-A. Like those are the good ones. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Larry and I were looking at it and Benicia, which is the size of this hotel has over 15 churches. Wow. It's a tiny little city mm-hmm. and religion has stepped in and divided and said, I want to, f- like, how many non-denominational churches are there in Benicia? I know there's at least two or three of them. Wow. Yeah. Which is just yeah. crazy. Yeah. Like, we're, we're all doing the same thing, essentially. Yeah. We're all trying to be relevant in worship. We're all trying to have a relevant message, and we're trying to love people. Mm-hmm. And yet there's different organizations and establishments doing it Yeah. a couple miles from each other. Yeah, totally. That is crazy. In Ohio... How many churches are you guys oh, in your city? Man. Uh, so we're in northern Kentucky, the suburbs of Cincinnati, Ohio, and mm. there are churches everywhere, churches in every block. It's interesting um, hearing from people, you know, we're, we've only been in our community three years. Mm. So hearing from people who have been there for a long time who will tell me sort of what you get on the menu at each of the churches yeah. in our area. Like, this church is about this, and this one's about this, and... Um, someone told us recently they were looking for a church. And so they had what they thought was a short list of things that they were looking for. And it was hard for them to find church, a church that shared some of the same values yeah. that they did. So yeah, we're, we're pretty covered. Yeah. I've, I've made some, like I was telling you before, all my family lives in Arizona now, so that's fine. Uh, <laughs> You're not bitter about that. <laughs> I'm at not all. bitter about it, but getting to know some people in Arizona and, and making some friends through, cause that's where Larry, you know, has a lot of connections as well mm-hmm. and getting to know some people and, 
I, I even met another a youth pastor in the Phoenix area who uh, we were at a retreat a couple weeks ago. Really awesome guy. But he's worked at three churches in the same like couple mile area that wow. are all thousands of people churches. And he's mm-hmm. moved to three different youth groups to find the right fit. And his his take on the church culture in Arizona, there's tons of churches that are thousands of people deep. Mm-hmm. He's like, yep, it's all the same thing. There's just a bunch of them. And mm-hmm. you have about a thousand people at each church that are at that church. Like that's their church. Mm-hmm. And then you have a couple thousand people who just switch around based off sermon series mm-hmm. and like, okay, I don't want to hear wow. that topic. So I'm going to go here. Wow. And I mean, that's one thing I didn't talk about in my message. I, I dropped the word only because it was relevant to a point I was making, but there's a whole, and you know about this stuff being in church culture, there's this whole idea of consumer Christianity. Mm -hmm. And I didn't talk about it on Sunday because I thought it's a much bigger thing. Sure. And also, I don't, I think, okay, you're here. I'm excited that you're here. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here if you are a consumer Christian. And beat you up for that while you're sitting here. Sure, sure. I think you'll get what you need to out of this religion talk without having to go deep. But Larry and I have talked a lot about consumer Christianity and yeah. And I have some good friends and I realize now I can label it as that like oh you're just in a consumer phase right now. You mm-hmm. don't want to, you know, you're young, you don't have any kids, you're married or you're single and it's a sunny day and you can go to the lake and um, you can get church in a podcast and you can listen to worship music on your commute into work. So you don't really need church. Mm-hmm. You, you're viewing church right now as what can I get out of it? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if that's kind of the scene out there with you as well. Um, I'm trying to see, you know, that we have some of that out there for sure. What's interesting is when you've got a lot of churches with a lot of people that go there, I think even churches can get really comfortable when mm. you think about our mission of like, okay, who who's not yet here in our seats? Who are mm-hmm. the people that we're not yet reaching? And that's something my husband and I are really passionate about. So we spend a lot of time even with conversations with non-believers or people who have been like deconverted, yeah. you know, even on the flight out here. I was reading about how it's for the first time in America, more people have selected no religion Mm. than evangelicalism or Catholicism. First time ever this article, just this report just came out. So more and more people are walking away from the the faith or Mm. from religion. And the more that's what we're really focused on where we are. So we're doing some sort of entrepreneurial, like off the radar kinds of things, um, longest table dinners where we're bringing people in to talk about things that are dividing culture and, but really trying to understand from our friends, what is it that's not, what what is it that's pushing them back from coming to church or why did they walk away from the faith? And here's the thing, most of the time, what they don't say, but what they're communicating is consumer Christians. Hmm. They inherited a faith. Totally. And they, I mean, my husband and I just spoke about this at dinner last night people our age inherited a faith from our parents that in some ways didn't actually impact the world. I mean, Mm. to say that you believe in the ways of Jesus and at the same time, we're destroying the environment that Mm. we're called to steward and rule over, you know, to say um, that you believe in the ways of Jesus, but then we're voting in ways, you know, Mm -hmm. to be rich or to be successful. Profit's actually the bottom line. I mean, people people can intuit our values, whether they're stated or not. And so I think a lot of people I talk to are like, okay, the values of following Jesus are not what I'm intuiting from the people Mm. that say that they follow Jesus. So I think that consumer Christianity piece, as much as we certainly want to be invitational at engaging people into following Jesus, engaging people who are coming through the doors of our church, we're really cognizant of um, are we feeding something that's actually repelling mm. other people from following yeah. Jesus? That's very, very interesting. That, that I believe that. I, I noticed that a few years ago among millennials and, and young people, the, the return of liturgy. And mm-hmm. just, you know, we want... And mostly what they're saying is, I just want something authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this rock music, because as a worship leader, I found... Um, if we're not careful, we're just trying to be Hillsong. Like mm. Hillsong does it really well. Mm-hmm. I can't do it the way that Hillsong does it. And you weren't made to, John. Exactly. Side note. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that tension of like, well, I can play their song exactly the same way through technology and tracks and all that stuff. But I'm not, I'm not the worship leader that Joel Houston or Taya Smith mm. that they are. So mm-hmm. for me to try to mimic their style and mimic the things that they do on the stage, which so many worship leaders do, and mm-hmm. I am guilty of that as well at times in my life, for me to mimic that, which is easier, first of all, because I already I don't have to do the work and have a relationship with God in mm. private worshiping. Yeah. That's easier, bottom line. I know that it's going to work. 
because mm-hmm. I've already seen it work on all your live videos in these giant crowds of people, mm-hmm. even though that's them and not our people, and they're all hyped up for a concert, and you're basically a celebrity. But no one wants that in real life when you think about it. Like, I don't want to sit yeah. there and watch another person rip off someone's concert. Yeah. Who goes to cover bands? Yeah, come like, on. That's yeah. just a weird thing to think about. And, uh, like, these young people saw that, like you were saying. Um, and that was something that I saw as well. It, we're growing up in a church culture where our parents, are, you know, it's just, it's not real necessarily. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to church, but it looks different on the mm-hmm. outside of that. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't 100% my experience with church. My dad is very studied in this stuff. And I think mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a house church for the first, I think, 13 years of my life. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit further extreme, but I definitely saw that around the sure. culture. Sure. And even as I started working in churches, I saw this and the people that I hung out with. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I ended, that's such a crazy thing to think about. And then when I moved to Iowa, there was a guy from, um, he was in the Chicago area, Aaron Nequist who uh, started that mm-hmm. new liturgy stuff. And that kind of had some traction where really we just want authenticity in what we're doing. Totally. It doesn't have to be production. And you can feel tethered to something that comes from the ancient, right? Like the, the liturgy and the, the words that were spoken, the traditions of mm. that can feel a little bit more inauthentic or more authentic yeah. than some of the things that we experience in Absolutely. a service. Yeah. It's so crazy to me. Uh, I grew up, me and my brother, <laughs> I have an older brother who grew up with, exact same way we grew up mm-hmm. it's awesome to me to look at this now and then uh i went on my journey and then i landed in northern california as a worship leader at a very 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 contemporary non-denominational church like mm-hmm. essentially rock music is what i play <laughs> uh-huh. and it's so fun my brother on the other hand who on his own journey got out of the denomination we were in to go find a new denomination he went baptist and it was a little bit more contemporary and now that he's he's way smarter than me anyway, he's landed in, um, I believe, it's either Methodist or Presbyterian. Essentially, oh, wow. extremely yeah. heavy liturgy. Mm-hmm. And that's where he's, him and his wife. And they're, they're like me. For me to look at a guy like that, a young guy who's super cool, super relevant, super hip. It's like, hey, where do you go to church now? He lives in Virginia. He's like, oh, we go to this church. And it's like, we sing hymns. Some United and, Methodist. Yeah. yeah they like, s- they what? S- speak prayers that have been exactly. spoken for long yeah. long time recite the creeds and the things and it's like where how did you land there like hmm. what what in your life led you to this and it i realized from talking to him it's the community it's authentic community oh, above sure, anything sure. else but it's just interesting to me to, to see a young person who doesn't need the engaging rock music who doesn't need a youth pastor or a pastor wearing like uh you know skinny jeans and showing his tattoos yeah but an older guy who's very educated mm-hmm. who just wants to take you deeper mm-hmm. and then we'll sing some hymns with a little old lady on the piano i don't care it's yeah. gonna get me into my relationship with god deeper too wow yeah that is fascinating yeah he's a he's hmm. a therapist so i wish he would study himself and tell me what he finds <laughs> we'll go deep into that <laughs> rabbit hole and see what he comes out with but are they capable of doing that i don't know i, I think they're like the hardest I right know. to get to be self-reflective i think that's true yeah somebody tell us man i need someone to just analyze him i have so many questions <laughs> so many questions it's so good <laughs> the reality is i mean maybe this is part of my own experience or my own journey but following jesus in my opinion means learning to live in tension so if I ever get to a place in my life, I think I've got it all figured out and worked yes. out and like black and white and cut and dry and here's the right and wrong. I, I don't know what I'm following anymore. Yeah. Is that Jesus? Because his yeah. ways are more nuanced than Absolutely. that. And so even when I experience people within the church that can have that sort of confidence mm. in their theology or yeah. their convictions, I don't know. I, I think we have to be having yeah. some of these harder conversations where cynicism is okay and where people can wrestle with the yeah. things, you know, can work out their faith with fear and trembling, mm-hmm. right? Like work out their salvation. So um, I, I think though, as a church leader and other, you know, church leaders, PLD and people I get to <laughs> hang with, and that can make you nervous, you yeah. know, if somebody's yeah. going to wrestle with those types of yeah. things. You, We have, I think as people, we want to help people, we want to save people. When in fact, finding those opportunities to really wrestle with God mm-hmm. can be the most formative and the most redemptive. I used to say for a little while that if I'm not changing my theology weekly, I'm not really walking with <laughs> Jesus. I mean, we've talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast that uh, I think it was the first week of this series. When you when you talk about re- um, uh, from heaven to earth, we we're talking about religion and all this stuff, you're trying to put... God in your systems. You're trying to put mm-hmm. God in, in your shelves where mm-hmm. you can 
understand him. Mm-hmm. But life, God, all of these things are way more nuanced than that. And basically doubt comes out of, I cannot find a way to reconcile this new information with mm-hmm. the category that mm-hmm. I've put God in or the story that my life is. Totally. And then you experience doubt. And um, yeah, we believe that that's not there's no place for that in the church it almost would have been more beneficial for me to make a chart in my baggage section of my talk about religion that countering each one that he didn't come to make classes uh, he came to he came yeah. to elevate yeah. he didn't come to have debates and arguments about theology but to let you ask your questions yeah and have a safe place yeah and one of the points i was listening to a guy talk about this in a message um he said the, the bible has doubt throughout the entire narrative mm-hmm. it, god is way more okay with our doubt yeah than we seem to be sure with our doubt he is constantly answering people meeting them in their doubt mm-hmm. and one of my i think i'm going to try talking about thomas this weekend on easter because mm-hmm. i want to address the skeptic and i want to address the doubt and yeah. i think larry wants to do that as well we're talking yeah. through it because it's so interesting that's one of the big turnoffs of religion yeah is that you have all the answers yeah and if you don't this isn't the place to ask the questions this isn't the place to figure sure, it out sure sure um and that's that's so dangerous yeah the um the idea that we don't model that or invite that is something I really struggle with in the church. I don't know if you would have seen this. Um, J.D. Greer and Annie Stanley just okay. released this sort of public debate that they had done over mm. personal email. Wow. So Annie Stanley just released, I guess maybe a year ago, the book Irresistible yeah. and Jade asked J.D. Greer to do a review on it. So mm. J.D. did a review on the book and it was quite critical in yeah. some ways. And he emailed Andy and said, hey, do you want to read my review before I make it public? And Andy said, thanks. I really appreciate that. You and John Piper are the only two people who have ever let me do that. I'd love to read it. Yeah. And so he, J.D. sent Andy his review that again had some critical (laughs) notes in it and so Andy emails him back and is like come on JD I can't even believe that you would challenge this and I did you even read this part of it and I can't so they go back and forth on email I think it's for weeks Mm. and um, JD emailed Andy and said hey what would you think if we if we made this email exchange public and we could allow Christ followers to see that we can land in two totally different places and still follow Jesus. Yeah. And we're still going to be together in eternity. Like, what a beautiful picture. And I read the whole thing. It was profound just yeah. to see. But how many times, you know, even like denominationalism came out of churches wanting to define ourselves on yeah. what distinguished us. Yeah. And in a post-Christian culture, what if we actually could define ourselves on our similarities? Like, if we could yeah. elevate Jesus and make some of the things mm. um, less important. Yeah. Imagine what a beautiful invitation that is for the doubters, for yeah. the people that struggle with like, you know, I love this part of Jesus, but this is really hard for me. Where are we having those kinds of questions? Yeah. And as long as we continue to make that kind of wrestling part of it yeah. taboo, I think we're going to repel people from finding I Jesus. I think there was the fear in the, well, there's a fear in churches that you're going to leave my church and go to another church. Mm-hmm. And then there's that fear in the denomination that to engage in this open dialogue about wait a minute why do you believe in this part right here yeah like i don't understand that if you engage in that then i'm trying to get you to believe what i believe it's an argument it's a debate essentially sure i want you to believe this so that you'll leave there and come here and then i'll have more people in my camp right and i remember so i grew up in a very small denomination called brethren on the east coast Mm. and uh i went to a baptist christian school my whole life Three to eight. That'll mess you up, man. Two <laughs> totally different really faith traditions what, investing in you. What I found was they're exactly the same. There's like a few little things that they won't. I I will say this: there was nothing conflicting from my life. And I know I'm a child, and I I didn't know everything when I was sure. growing up in it. But in my experiences through all of the Bible classes, all of the chapels, all my Sunday school classes, all of my sermons, mm-hmm. there was nothing conflicting in those two denominations that mm-hmm. would have said, and not that we were ever fighting with each other, but that would have ever said, why can't we just have church in one place? Like hmm. we literally believe the exact same things about God and about Jesus and about what he came to do. Mm-hmm. The difference that I really saw, the petty differences were women should have head coverings on in the church, which that might be a random new concept to you ladies listening. <laughs> don't look it up. It's not worth it. And at least don't look it up without the cultural context. Exactly. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, keep yeah, going. Keep, keep going. going. And, and uh, pastors, we didn't have pastors in my brother denomination. We had huh. elders, uh-huh. and then <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna say this: we had elders, 
that were volunteers. These were men in the church who were responsible for the direction of the church and the leadership of it. And Baptist churches have pastors, which mm-hmm. most churches have pastors as well. Mm-hmm. Men that were paid by the church to be the directional team. Some even men and women. I'm just exactly. saying. The, just saying. The, the crazy ones. I'm in the in the South, though. There were no women. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, and But the, the difference was we didn't have pastors on staff. They had one paid elder who was hmm. the one who taught every single weekend. He was the one who made a lot of decisions. It was like, wait a minute. You mean the pastor you mean he's the pastor <laughs> like that's really crazy to me that he's the pastor and the and they will i've actually talked to <laughs> the pastor of that church the lead elder or whatever he is because his son was one of my best friends he's a phenomenal man in fact when i got older and i started working in churches he would just meet with me talk about really good conversations of theology and mm-hmm, what we believe mm-hmm. he would come meet with me and we would have these conversations i was like yeah i love this right here i wish we could do this more um and i he just he wasn't the pastor. He was. It makes me field. wonder what happened in their denominational mm. history yeah. that went south with a pastor they that they decided no more. No more. We mm-hmm. are only going to have elders now. Like, you know, because a lot well, of denominationalism is a knee jerk reaction yeah. to some experience or some delineation or some mm-hmm. distinguishing, you know, distinction that we have to say, nope, we're going to go a different route. I can definitely say in my experiences with pastors, I understand it uh, fully. Yeah. And, yes. and just the division that when you're in a, especially in a Baptist church, because that's a little different where it's the one lead guy mm-hmm. and you might have other pastors on staff. Sure. But a lot of these little Baptist churches that, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred people, you've got one guy who does everything, makes all the decisions. Yeah. And if you don't agree with him, it's like, well, you got to go. Yeah. Cause it's my church essentially. Totally. And uh, so I totally understand how there could have been a situation at the beginning of that where totally. we're not well, given one man power. Here. And that I also think we have had the luxury of making those types of decisions when Christians were the majority of culture. Mm. So I had dinner with Carrie Newhoff eight yeah. months ago and he's a pastor up in Canada. So pretty okay. post-Christian culture. And he said, we had that luxury when Christians were the majority in culture, we could, you know, debate over some of the minuscule things and really define ourselves as this is what sets us apart from Mm -hmm. you. This is how we're different. And, but now it's a post-Christian culture. Totally. So what does it look like for us to say, man, these are the things we're alike in. I mean, this is something we're doing in our area, trying to connect with other churches on if we're all about elevating Jesus at the end of the day, can we set some of our differences aside? I mean, my church is fully egalitarian, embraces women in leadership, Absolutely. lets women teach, lets Great. women be elders. I work with churches that do not let women mm-hmm. have a, you know, a carry position of leadership, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. We may not agree, agree fundamentally on that one thing, but we agree on the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. And you know, so how do we set aside what I would call the non-essentials mm-hmm. and really rather run the essentials, rally around the most important things? Um, what is the new shape then of of post-denominationalism. That's and some of the stuff I'm it's thinking of. It's such a better when you when you really break it down. It's such a better opportunity, or maybe maybe not better. It would almost be an easier opportunity in this post-Christian hmm. culture, where we're not the majority. Like I, I remember a couple months ago, or maybe a year ago, reading about how for the first time, the the Christian view, the biblical view of of sexuality, is mm-hmm. now the minority. Where mm-hmm. It's like you're the crazy one for believing something that has been the majority forever, yeah. essentially. Yeah. But when you really think about it, we have a, it's almost like we get this this blank slate in the church to say, all right, can we put aside our petty differences? Because what is really going to show this culture that God loves them? <laughs> exactly. Like, we Us arguing over yeah. you know the Abrahamic covenant or yes. like yeah. But when everybody goes to church, yeah, okay, I need my numbers. I need because we're going to have to dissolve here in a second. So this is why you should believe this. But now. You're losing numbers no matter what denomination you are. Mm-hmm. You're losing people. Now it's a consumer Christianity, as we already talked about, where mm-hmm. people are just coming to absorb information. If you want to really be an impact on your city and on your culture, like what is, what's going to be able to do this? Oh, it's other denominations saying, hey, we're, we don't agree on everything, mm-hmm. but we know we got to love. Think mm-hmm. about if the 15-plus churches in Benicia <laughs> said, hey, we don't agree on everything, but we realize there's still hundreds or there's 100,000 people or more yeah. that don't know yeah. Jesus here. And all the cities around Venetia, because there's so many great cities right there. Yeah. What could we do that's going to reach them? Even though we don't necessarily agree. Even if they don't end up in my church on a weekend, what if they ended up at yours? But yeah, that beauty of like, man, we all care enough about our mission. Mm -hmm. We can set aside those differences. It makes us that much more relevant in a post-Christian culture. Yeah. Well, we're getting deep here. I hope we haven't lost people. So (laughs) exciting.
<laughs> some boring stuff. Uh, if that stuff was interesting to you in any way as you were listening to it, there's a podcast that has been crazy educational and helpful and fun for me to listen to called This Cultural Moment by a guy named John Mark Comer, who's in Portland, and a guy named Mark Sayers, who's in uh, New Zealand or uh-huh. Australia. Uh-huh. I, they're the same to me, and I know that's offensive, but... <laughs> Don't tell him we said that, okay? I, I'll never be in the room with Mark Sayers to tell him that I said that. But it's a really good podcast that identifies... It not only goes through the history of what a pre-Christian culture looks like and what a Christian culture looks like in a post-Christian culture where we ultimately are now, but it also gives some markers for how to determine where you're at in your church and your culture and how you can be influential, what God wants to do, ultimately leading up to uh, what we call it in the South is revival and what they've chosen to call it in the podcast is renewal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because revival is one of those words as well, like religion. It has those connotations that are not the same. Totally. Um, So yeah, anyway, that's just free information. Uh, People ask me what podcast I listen to and all that stuff. So that's one. That's Mm -hmm. just great stuff. You're welcome. Mark John Comer, John Mark, and and Mark Sayers, you're welcome. Just Mm -hmm. plug us. You should pay us right now. (laughs) We're a sponsor for you guys. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Well, Carrie, it was super fun. This was a really cool change. Uh, I feel like people don't want to listen to me and Larry talk all the time. <laughs> listen, anytime you and PLD need a third yeah. or, you know, need a sub, I'll oh, be second be so to back for you guys anytime. Well, you'll yeah. be back out here in, when's the next time you're going to be speaking? Uh, I think I'm back out here in June. In June. In well, June. That, we might have to do this again without Larry again. Okay. He's going to be taking a little sabbatical, I think, a speaking break. Nice. He's in gotta, June. He needs yeah. to really think about what we're going to talk about as a church here. Totally. In the, in the coming years. Do so some study, some teaching. Some prayer. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. He needs that more than anything right now. So that would be really good for him. But we're going to have a ton of guest speakers coming in this summer that I'm excited to hear. Some fresh voices. And you're one of them. Awesome. Uh, I, I can't think wait. you're even going to be live streamed into San Francisco that weekend. I don't Ooh, even know if you knew that. I did not. Oh, this is fresh information. They yeah. already got to know you this yeah. weekend. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. I, I don't didn't know, know if I'm supposed to tell you that. Okay. Larry yeah, maybe Larry's going to break it to me later. So I'm Appanisha live streaming to San Francisco. He's going to listen to this and say, John, why did you say so oh, much it's information? so rad. I can't wait. Because uh, we listen. have so many secrets here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to call you and not Larry anymore so I can get the real information from John. Always shoot straight with you. Don't you worry. That's to great. a fault. That's that's my problem. I share too much information. But hey, this was so fun to have you on here. Really awesome conversation. Um, for those of you who are listening, I hope the people around here weren't too distracting for you. There was a they door. all left. They Did all they left. <laughs> John, everyone's gone. Well, we are alone in here now. <laughs> yeah, the door kept going in and out. But the executive lounge staff. They said, is "Wait a minute." Riveted by our conversation. <laughs> You're telling us that we're in a post-Christian culture? Did you just call me a consumer Christian? I'm out. I'm not I'm not going to sit in this lounge and be insulted like this. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to well, get letters. I need to apologize to them, too. But, uh, <laughs> hey, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend for Easter. Um, we're going to be, we're going to have a Saturday night service at five in Benicia. And we're also going to have all three normal services in Benicia. And we have our 11 o'clock in San Francisco. 11 a.m., I mean. So, Like we talk about the last few weekends, grab one of those cards, hand it to somebody, but do one better. Find out which service they're going to go to and try to come with them. And whether that's in San Francisco and you don't normally go there, or it's in Benicia and you don't normally go there because you're at a San Francisco campus, um, it's much bigger than us. We're here Hmm. for other people. So we will love, we would, can't wait to see you this Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. (laughs) I'll see you guys soon. Yep. Thanks.